So good to see all of you today. How many of you have had a good week this week? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I guess that means most of you then. Yeah, amen. Most of you had a good week this week. So if nearly everybody's hand goes up, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So we need to have a good week if we're children of the King. We're supposed to be enjoying life and having it more abundantly. Uh, somebody handed me something a while ago. I don't know. Who handed me this little piece of paper a while ago? Did you do that, Eldon? Okay. I thought, it says, what is courage? I thought this is pretty neat. It says, what is courage? Number one, it is confronting the dragons. Courage confronting the dragons. Who is the dragons? The devil and his host of demons. Cheryl and I, a while ago, we was coming in. I told her, I said, you know, honey, it's amazing that the world doesn't have a clue what's going on. Not a clue. But I said, you know, about three-fourths of the church don't know what's going on either. I said, we really don't have a clue the system. I mean, I didn't. I had absolutely no idea how the system that God had laid out worked. I often wondered why do certain things happen. You know, why? I didn't, I, but I certainly didn't know. But in the process of reading and studying the book, I found the answers. They are all there. Praise the Lord. So, what is courage? Confronting the dragons. And number two is overcoming the obstacles. Number, did Jesus tell us that to build our house on a rock and not on the sand? Because when the trials and tests of life come, did he say they're going to come to everybody? Oh, yeah, they're going to come to everybody. But he says the man that built his house on the rock, he'll be the one that will overcome those obstacles. He'll overcome them. And... This next one here, it says, understanding the risk. There is definitely risk out there. Understanding the risk. Now then, last week I taught on something that I've never taught on in church before. And Cheryl thought, wow, she said, this is something I've never heard you teach on hell. But I taught on hell last Sunday. You know, I taught what it is and what it's like and about the things that's there, and the risk that are involved as you and I walk through life, if we don't take those risks and step out and serve Jesus, did you know that everybody that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior when they die, they get to graduate into a place called the lake of fire forever. I don't want to go there, do you? Mm -mm. Ain't no way out. Then it's the next one, it says, what is courage? It's really living. And I read this, I thought, man, this is great. Really living. You know, most of the church don't have a clue how to live. They really don't. I didn't. You know, I really didn't know how to live. I had missed most. I mean, I had a pretty good life, but I'm definitely not complaining. That's for sure. I've had a good life. My life's been very blessed. But really living I think that the majority of the church doesn't understand it. When we go around sick and afflicted and tormented and beat up on and don't have enough money to pay our bills, we're not really living. But it takes planning to overcome all that. 
I mean, it takes planning, and then it takes years of dedication and service, and most people never get there. And another one is always, not sometimes, but always believing the Word and not what you see. Always believing what God said instead of what everything else says. And then the next one he got here is going the distance. How many people go a little ways, a quarter mile, a half a mile, maybe one mile, but five miles? Who could possibly go five miles? You know, but if you go the limit, if you go the distance, you'll be the winner every time, if you do it God's way. And then the, ne- the last one he put on here was expecting the best. Expecting the best. I thought, wow. How many of us expect the best out of everything? You know, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Expect the best. You know, just like a while ago when we were, Eldon and Ty and I, we were standing at the front door because we were talking about some things and they were practicing the music in here and we couldn't hear, so we went out there. And so everybody came in, we shake their hand. They said, what is this, a welcoming committee at the door? And I said, yes. And of course, we were laughing about some things as we were talking. We were laughing. And people would say, I've never seen three men any happier than you guys are. Well, I mean, we're supposed to be living the abundant life. So we're supposed to be happy, right, Benjamin? Yeah, that's it. We're supposed to be happy and living the abundant life. And I'm grateful for that abundant life that God has given us. He is such a mighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And we have had a great time serving Him. Now then, before we get into the message today, I want to ask you a question about the message today. How many of you would like to be able to see God answer your prayers and do great and mighty wonderful signs and even miracles for you when you pray? Okay, that's what the message is going to be about today. What you got to do, what I have learned from the Word of God. Now, this is not just me, but I have learned from the Word what it takes to get God to do these wonderful things. Now then, it took me 40 years of my life to get there, you know, because I virtually never, although I was a Christian serving God in church, serving as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, and everything else, but I still had lots of problems and sickness and disease every once in a while, and I didn't see God answer a prayer very often. And I really never saw Him really just jump out there and do something great and mighty until I started doing exactly what the Word says. And so today, I'm going to tell you some of those things. But before we get into the message, does anybody have a praise report or a testimony that you want to give us? We got Well, we got two or three hands, okay? Come up here, Deborah. You you had your hand up first. Come up here and tell us what God has done for you, girl. Huh? We'll be able to have people end on a good note because I got convicted in the last 24 hours. It's amazing how we can screw up unintentionally. I was out minding my own business working in my yard, and I got a beast, a wasp, stung me. And so I immediately said, well, no serpents, no poison, no anything's going to bother me. And thank you, Lord, and the hope it. And within a second or two, there was no more pain or anything. Praise God. But what I realized is I had to put my foot in it. Uh, 
let me tell you, you can't imagine how small you are when the God, when Lord convicts you of something. And so what I did next was I thought, well, I'll just go mess with this thing and I'll put some ice on it and I'll put some vinegar on it because, not that I doubt that he's going to heal it, but because I was impatient. And then I just went about my business doing my own thing. And then when this morning when I caught the thing and I thought, you know, I can't go tell people he healed me because I messed it up. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I have just robbed God of the glory. And so I was feeling bad enough at that. But then whenever I was driving here, the other conviction came, and it was much worse. And he said, do you realize when you're impatient and you rob me of my glory that you're telling me that what I've done for you, your miracles, my miracles, it's because it's not fast enough, it's not good enough. And I just went, oh, Lord, I confess it, and I repent of it. So I just wanted to tell you all that. It makes you feel pretty small when you're telling the king of the universe that he's not, what he's doing is not good enough. We tell him that a lot, you know. I know, accidentally. Oh, okay. I had eye surgery about six weeks ago, and if, if I had listened to Thurman first, I wouldn't have had it. I would have just stood on the Word of God. I've learned a lot about faith because I've been listening to your CDs constantly. But um, anyway, my eyes were not healing very fast. I mean, uh, I went three weeks after the surgery, and um, I had had soft contacts on since the surgery because they cut off part of my cornea. It was just vision correction surgery. It was PRK. You know, LASIK is a different. It's easier, I think. But for real nearsighted people, you know, they do PRK. Well, um, anyway, um, I had worn these soft contacts for about three weeks since they did the surgery to keep my um, eyelids from irritating my eyes and also for a little bit of distance correction. Well, after three weeks, I went back, and I said, Doctor, just, I had started to listen to your teaching. I just said, Doctor, just take off the contacts because God's going to heal my eyes. Well, um, uh, when he took them off, um, the eye chart, um, I couldn't even read the big E, but I said, Okay, Lord, you're going to have to get me home, and you're going to have to do, I'm just trusting you. Um, Well, I went back three weeks later, and the doctor looked at my eyes, and he said, Wow. The improvement in your eyes in three weeks is nothing less than amazing. And I said, that's because I told uh, the other doctor that God was going to heal my eyes. So this one's 2020 and this one's 2030 now. And I'm believing for better than perfect. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the King. Glory to God. Wow. What you can do, the Lord knows where your faith level's at. Well, I've been... Uh, going through some trials with my mother. We came back from Nashville after Elijah graduated from high school and just getting ready to get on an airplane and she fell. And she broke the little symphony bones in the lower pelvic area and she broke her tailbone. Well, we didn't know exactly what it was at the time. I prayed for her and I wanted her to be completely healed. She felt like something was broken and she couldn't really agree with me in prayer. It was hard to fight that. So it ended up that she is healing, and there has been a lot of prayer for her. But the miracle I did want to mention was um, we tried for her not to have to have a catheter, but ended up that she was going to have to have one. And the nurse is explaining that um, 
that it was that it was going to be painful. If even with the pain meds, and they were going to give her some pain medicine, and about 15 minutes after it started working, that they were going to put the catheter in. And uh, she didn't look forward to that, and I was feeling her pain before it was happening, you know, and I was praying for her, and I said, we're going to agree in prayer according to Matthew 18, 19. And I prayed that prayer with her. If you ask anything according to his name, word, he'll do it for you. And uh, I could tell her faith wasn't where mine was. But I went home anyway. I was just very close to the hospital. And I was impressed by the Holy Spirit as I was grabbing the doorknob to go inside the house to pray for her one more time. And I said, Lord, I'm touching heaven now. And I'm rebuking his pain. She's not going to have any pain. And I called her later, a couple of, maybe 30 minutes later, whatever, and I said, well, did you feel any pain? This was actually a little bit later than that. And she said, no, I didn't feel any pain at all. She said, well, it must have been the pain meds for two days. Now, she's 78, but for two days I had to explain to her, the nurse said that you would still feel some pain and that you had a miracle. And so she finally accepted that. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. We got one more back. Oh, oh, okay, Keith, just as soon as we get you, we'll get you. Okay. Come on up here. Praise the Lord. I didn't see nobody else hold their hand up. I thought that was it. Okay. <laughs> praise the Lord. All right. Well, I definitely want to give God some praise today. Um, about six years ago, I was unhappy in my job, in my position, and I thought that I should be at the top. And so um, I was praying about it. A door opened, and I jumped. And I kind of prayed, kind of didn't. And um, so I took it. And uh, what the Lord did for me was... First thing he had to do was he had to show me over the past six years what it meant to actually lead people, what it meant to be God's man for leading. And uh, to do that, in four years, he took me from a director to a project manager to being a person who was a member of a project. And one of the praises in that is that my salary didn't decrease as God was showing me and training me of what needed to be done. So for the past two years, I've been a member of a project team and turned to God, submitted, and understood that if I was going to lead and do God's work, that I first had to get submitted to God and submitted to the people that were over me and understand that they were responsible for my care and to do my job to the best of my ability and to do it every day to the Lord. And so that's what I did. And I've been doing that now for the past two years. And I've been happier. You talked about being happy. I've been happier being submitted to God and doing what I'm supposed to do than I ever was trying to take over. And I'm telling you. And just last week, out of the, you know, God's plan, which to me is clear blue, (laughs) um, they came to me and they said, we want you to manage this project. And I thought, there's God. That's God. You know, there's no way that I was going to go back and say, I'm ready to do this. I was waiting on God to say, you're ready to do this. Amen. Amen. I give him the praise and the glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Praise the Lord. Glory. God's still on the throne, isn't he, Keith? Amen. Praise the Lord. I like that way he said that. You better believe it. (laughs) Well, I was out. I was working last weekend. And uh, Friday morning I got up and my eye started hurting big time like there's something in it 
every time you blink, it hurts, and it got worse and worse as the day went on. And as you're flying, it's kind of hard to do that when you got a problem with your eye. Well, I called the ministry center Friday night, and they prayed, and we stood in agreement on Matthew 18:19 for healing, and got up Saturday morning. It was worse. So I wound up coming home. And I basically put a patch over my eye because every time I blinked, it hurt. And it hurt bad. And it was getting real red and bloodshot and it was tearing and it was just getting worse and worse. Well, Sunday morning I got up and I listened. I couldn't watch. I had to listen to one of your CDs. And one of the verses in there, 1 Corinthians 6.20, about you're bought with a price. And I just started, that just stayed with me. And I just kept thinking, well, if I'm bought with a price, I belong to God. And basically, the demons are trespassing Amen. on his property. Amen. So I just stood on that. Of course, I repented of any sin I had before. And I just stood on that and just kicked him out. And all of a sudden, Sunday afternoon, it don't hurt anymore. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad we know the king, dude? Praise the Lord. Okay, great. Did I miss anybody now? We got everybody this time? Praise the Lord. Well, let me tell you, when you got eye problems... When you do what Keith does, you really have a real problem. Because it's kind of hard to fly with no eyes, isn't it, Keith? It's kind of hard to be a pilot with no eyes. you got to see. So now then, let's come to the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful that you are our King, our Lord and our God and our Savior, our Healer, our Deliverer, our Provider. And Lord, we are so grateful that our bodies are your temple, and that the enemy has no legal claim to us as children of God, but you've made us the caretaker of this temple, and we have to take your word and drive away the beast. And Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us that when we do make a mistake, which all of us do, unfortunately, that we can repent and we can come under your grace and you will forgive us and restore us to fellowship. And Lord, we're so grateful for that. We thank you now, Lord, as we read and study your word, ask you to reveal to us the things you want us to do as your children so you will be able to meet all of our needs and answer our prayers. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day that you've given us and for your beautiful word, which is to us, your children. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, some... I want you to turn to Exodus 34, 14. I want you to see some things here in Exodus 34, starting with verse 14, that you have to do if you want to see God answer your prayer. Now, the reason a lot of people don't see God answer their prayers in a big way is because we don't really believe that King means what He says in His Word. But the king made statements in his word. Now, in Exodus thirty-four fourteen, he says, For you shall worship no other gods. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Do you think that it's required that you put God first? That you worship no other gods? Now then, what if you get tied up on one of these projects that you're dealing with or whatever it is, whether you're building something or, or, or whatever you're doing, if you get so involved during the week with your work or your projects 
and you don't take time to worship the Lord during the course of the day, what are you putting before Him? Another God. You're putting another God before Him, and He is a jealous God. He doesn't want you to put anything before Him, does He, Keith? He wants you to love Him, to worship Him, praise Him, so He can answer your prayer. And when you need Him like you did the other day, that's when you really needed the King. But now we all come to those times in our life. Every one of us have a time when we really need the King. Now then, we really need Him every day, 24-7, because there is a host of invisible critters we call demons that are running around on this earth. They're doing everything they can to attack you and your flesh and to draw you away from the Lord. But the Lord says, you must worship the Lord. That's not if you want to. You have to. That's a requirement. You must worship no... The Living Bible says, For you must worship no other gods, but only Jehovah. For He is a God who claims absolute loyalty and exclusive devotion. You really think that means what it says? <laughs> you really get that, aren't you? Yeah, this, the, the thing about it is, we look at this where He says, you know, that He absolutely requires or absolute loyalty and exclusive devotion. You know, we read over that and we think, well, he doesn't really mean that. You know, I mean, so I don't worship him this morning. I woke, wake up this morning and, of course, I was worshiping the Lord when I woke up this morning and, and then when I went to fix breakfast this morning and uh, I, I, I didn't, of course, Cheryl and I, uh, we had moved into our new little living quarters out there. Finally, last night last night was the first night we spent in our new little living quarters. We've been working on those little things nine months now. But we finally got the carpet down yesterday, and we slept in there last night for the first time. Well, this morning, instead of normally on Sunday morning getting up over in the little house that we live in, and which is about 100 yards from the ministry center, I usually go over there and Usually I only have a bowl of cereal and I've continued to study. But this morning, I thought, I'll make a waffle and cook me a sausage patty. You know, so I thought, I, I went into the kitchen. Now, of course, it's a, although it's attached to the same building, and I go in and I start frying this sausage and everything. And uh, all of a sudden, Cheryl gets up and comes in in her house coat. I said, wow, what are you up, you know, for early for? And she said, Angel smelt the cooking and she jumped up on the side of the bed and barked and wouldn't let me stay asleep. So I had to come in here. So I got to make her a, a waffle and, and she ate with me. Or actually, there this morning. So I guess if I get up and start cooking something, Angel, she smells good. You know, so when she smells sausage up bed, she's going to wake Cheryl up or whatever. So I've learned a new way to get my honey buddy out of bed in the morning. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. But anyway, Angel, she wanted something to eat, and man, she knows how to wake her up. I'm telling you for sure. Oh, goodness. But anyway, I'm, I'm saying all that to say that God, when He requires absolute devotion, I thought whenever Cheryl walked in this morning in on her house coat, she said, I'd like to have a waffle too. So I put some more stuff in there and made her a waffle and, 
And she saw I was drinking orange juice. She said, I'd like to have some too. So I went back to the refrigerator and poured her a glass of orange juice, fixed her everything. And I said, you know, you're a lucky woman (laughs) to have a husband that will cook breakfast for you on Sunday morning. (laughs) But the Lord expects us to treat him with absolute devotion. Now, what if I'd have told her, I said, well, no, I'm not going to fix you a waffle this morning, but I'm going to go across the street and find me a girl over there, and I'm going to take this over and give it to her this morning. I mean, you don't think that would go over very good, do you? That's not absolute devotion to the one that you're married to. Shelly, I bet you wouldn't even agree with, wouldn't even go for something like that, would you? You like that absolute devotion from your husband too, don't you, girl? Well, see... When God is a jealous God, now this is the closest thing I can give you as a relationship between you and your mate. I mean, you and your mate, you're absolutely devoted to one another. I mean, you know, you come home to the same husband or wife every day. I mean, you spend time with them every day. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes that... At least when we first got married, I don't think it's that way much anymore. But I could just come up here and take a lady and lay my hand on her shoulder and start praying for her. And if Cheryl looked over, at first she would be jealous. She would tell me, I didn't like the way you laid your hand on that lady. I said, honey, I was just praying for her. Well, I know, but this used to not bother me. But now that I'm her mate... Isn't that amazing? So, she now knows beyond a shadow of a doubt I have absolute devotion to her. So, it doesn't matter how I touch anyone else. She knows I'm devoted to her because she's my wife. Now, God expects that kind of devotion to Him. So, if you don't wake up in the morning worshiping Him, your first thing when you wake up should be worship. I mean, as we were driving down the road coming here... I was worshiping the Lord out loud. I mean, I, I know the king loves worship. You know, and I love to see him answer my prayer. Don't you, Ernest? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going you're to have to learn to worship him and him only. He's a jealous God. So if you give something else your time during the week, that's not absolute devotion to him. Now, you can be working and doing something else. I mean, yesterday... The last two days, I've been trenching with a trencher, putting in some new water lines and electric lines over to some of the stuff we're doing. And as I did, I, I trenched only about three or 400 feet the first day in, in the afternoon. And, of course, that it's a walk-behind trencher, you know, and they're pretty heavy, you know, so you have to lean on them. And I, I really get into it. I don't just, you know, do nothing. I really work those machines. And so I worked late, and then I answered prayers and read and studied and, and made radio uh, uh, shows and only thing till 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And then when I got up uh, the next morning, Saturday morning, when I first got out of bed, there was a few muscles <clears throat> that was rebelling. Y'all know what I mean, right? When you haven't stretched them a lot lately, and now then you stretch them that hard, they're kind of rebelling. You know, so... You just don't realize how that as you take your body, you know, and you use your body for other things, 
you know, how, how it will make your, your body will rebel. It doesn't want to do what you want it to do. The flesh is weak. But even in the process of while I was doing those things, while I was pushing so hard on that machine, I'm going down there trenching. I'm in my spirit and even out loud over the trencher saying, Lord, I praise you for the privilege to live in an age where I have this machine that can dig this ditch instead of me using a shovel. I praise you. It's it's a hundred degrees out there. You know, and when I come back by the bank at 7.07, I looked up and it said 95 degrees and I'm soaking wet with sweat. I thought, you know, Lord, I'm so grateful that my sweating machine, my air conditioning system works so I can get out and do this kind of stuff. I worship you for this. Now, now some people would say, it's too hot. They're grumbling and complaining. Now, that's not what the king said do, right? You can grumble and complain. But he don't answer your prayer very much. You know, it's so easy when we start to do something, if we think it's a little hard or a little hot, say, oh my gosh, i got to do this in the middle of the day? Hey, you need to worship him that you have the ability to get out there and do that in the middle of the day. Because he's a jealous God and he requires your exclusive devotion to him. So, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, worship the king. Because if you want things to go better, if you're worshiping him, he will make it go better. He will make things go a whole lot better for you. Just like the little lady with the eyes. You know, as she worshiped and praised and stood on God's word, her eyes are much better. And did you hear her last statement? They're going to be better than perfect. You know. That's faith, isn't it? That's what you have to do. Now then, in Psalm 66.4, in Psalm 66.4, I want you to listen to what the Lord has to say here. Psalm 66.4, all the earth. I'll give you just a moment to get there. I want you to see in your translation, this is the King James that I'm reading out of. In Psalms 86, 86, or excuse me, 66, 4, in Psalms 66, 4, all the earth shall worship. All the earth shall worship the Lord and shall sing unto thee, they shall sing to thy name. Do you think the Lord likes it while ago we were standing here singing to his name, praising him? Absolutely. That's a very important part of what we do. Now, out on the farm, since I I love to sing, but some of you may not love to hear me sing, but I love to sing. And so when I'm out on the farm, especially when I'm out working with equipment, I can sing some of my favorite songs out loud, as loud as I want to, and nobody complains. Nobody. I mean... I can be out there with my equipment, or, and of course, you know, I can be running a backhoe or whatever, and that thing's loud and noisy and all this stuff, and I can be out there on that machine, and I can be singing and praising the Lord, you know, or I can be driving down the road, or I, I, I see, where were we the other day, I, Cheryl and I, I think, we were in the house or something, and maybe we were in the kitchen the other night, just the two of us, and I broke out and began to sing 
my favorite song. And the longer I went, the louder I got. And when I got through, she laughed. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know which one that did, but I was praising the king. So, you know, I was praising the Lord. I love to praise God because I know that He must love my voice because He made it. And when I'm singing praises unto Him, like I say, you may not enjoy my voice, but He obviously does. And so I'm trying to please Him. So that's why I don't sing out loud too much around y'all because I don't want to offend you. But I do sing with the group. You know, I don't have a problem singing with a group because I kind of halfway blend in with everybody else. So, you know, it's not that bad when I'm with y'all. But I think that the praise and worship, I think that we will, the more we praise and worship the Lord, the more He will answer our prayers. Because He tells us, all the earth shall worship me. Because He made everything. If you're not a regular worshiper of the Lord, you need to change the way you do business. You need to praise Him and worship Him and and thank Him. You know, I mean, just constantly be worshiping and praising the King. In Psalms 86.9, in Psalms 86.9, listen to this. All nations, all nations, not just a few... But all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before thee. He expects all of us to come and worship him. O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Do you know if we as a nation or a race of people, if we would worship him all the time, every day, praise him, all of us? Do you know what a wonderful place this would be? You know what God would do for us? There wouldn't be nothing. We, we wouldn't even have to ask for nothing. Do you realize that? If we just worshipped and praised the king, and of course one of the things that Dave Rosenfeld has learned through his healing, this incurable disease that Dave had, and now that he's totally well, the thing that has come home to Dave when anybody calls the ministry center and they're having problems, Dave says, tell me about your quiet time with God. You know, I think about Ty. Every morning, I think it's somewhere around 4 o'clock, he's up from 4 to 5 or 6, and he spends that quiet time at the beginning of every day with God. Hey, God loves that. You want Him to bless you and to keep you well and healthy? You find a time. I mean, just like last night. I mean, I, yesterday I worked hard all day till 9 o'clock last night. And I come in and I surely been in there putting pictures and her and Scott and, and getting things all fixed up in the house. And I came in and sat down and had a little... She had fixed dinner. I worked till dark. And then she I finally kept calling me and said, Are you coming to eat? And I said, Yes, honey. I'm trying to get this finished before dark. So I got over there about dark, and I sat down, and I had a little bite to eat. And then she says, come, let me show you what we've done in here. I told her, I really had rather just sit here for a few minutes and rest. Just a few minutes. And then I said, then I'll come look. I was tired. I don't mind telling you. you know. And so I sat there for a few minutes. Then I went and looked at what they had done. And then I said, now then I'm going to take a good 
shower and put me on some fresh, clean clothes and I'm going into my office and close the door and don't nobody bother me. So I was there till about 2.30 this morning. And that's when I finally came out and I said, are you about ready to go to bed? She said, just a little bit more. I've got a couple more things to do. So I crawl into bed and she says, one second I will be there. Well, 30 minutes later, so when she came to bed, I said, I'm sure glad you didn't tell me just a minute. You said a second, and it took 30 minutes for you to finish whatever you were doing. I told her, I said, you better be sure and close the door because the sun's going to be coming up through the window in a little while, and we ain't going to be able to sleep. But it was well after 3 o'clock before we got in bed. But from about 9 o'clock till 2.30 this morning, I was locked up in my office reading the Word of God and studying and worshiping and praising God. Hey, I want the king to answer my prayers when I pray. I want him to know that I'm interested. And all during the day yesterday when I was working, I mean running the trenches, laying the pipe, all the stuff I was doing. Every time I'd reach in that bottle, glue that, that plastic pipe together, I said, Lord, I want to thank you for this plastic pipe. This stuff is so easy to hook together. I want to praise you and thank you for everything. I worship you, Lord. I mean, all during the day, worship and praise Him. But what does He tell us to do? Worship Him. Be thankful. No grumbling. Do you think the king likes grumbling and complaining? No, no, no. No, no. If you want to get God to not do anything for you, just start grumbling and complaining. You know, it definitely will cut off your power with the king. It says in verse 10, there are Psalms 86, 9, and then 10, he says, for you are great, and you do wondrous things. You are God alone. And He is. He is so awesome. He is so awesome. Then He says here, in the, in the Living Bible, I've got some, I got, I'm going to read verse 11 and 12. In the Living Bible, I didn't put this in the King James, but in the Living Bible, verse 11, 12 says, Tell me where you want me to go, and I will go there. May every fiber of my being unite in reverence to your name. Now, if you and I would make God that kind of a statement, Lord, I don't belong to me. I belong to you. I will go anywhere and do anything you want me to do. And mean it. And be serious. When he tells you to go somewhere and do something, he will use you mightily and he will never send you somewhere that he won't equip you to go and empower you with whatever you need to go do what he sends you to do. So don't ever be afraid to serve God. He'll always give you everything you need to do what he sends you to do. All you got to do is tell him, Lord, that I just tell me where you want me to go, and I will go there, Lord. I will do it. This is verse eleven. Verse twelve says, "With all my heart, I will praise you." This is in the Living Bible of uh, of uh, Psalms eighty six. With all my heart, I will praise you. Now, you'll have to take that to your own heart. Do you do that? With all of your heart, do you praise Him? Do you thank Him? I thought about last night. 
the Lord made you girls to serve your husbands. Many of you never find that out. But I, last night after I'd taken a shower, and I didn't have very many clothes over here in this building yet, so I took a shower over there, but all my clothes are still over there. So I had a pair of blue jeans and a shirt, but I didn't have any socks or shoes. And so I told Cheryl, I don't have any shoes and no socks. So I just said, well, no problem. I just walk up to my office. It's carpet in my office anyway, so I'll just study barefooted so I don't have a problem. So I'd been in there studying I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. And she knocked on the door and says, can I come in for a second? I said, sure. She opened the door and came in and brought me my boots and my socks. So she said, you want to walk across there barefooted? I thought, you know, and you know, you know what she said when she brought them in? She said, here, these are for my Lord. Where do you think she got that? From the Word. The Lord told the ladies to call your husbands Lord, just like Sarah called Abraham Lord. And he said, if you will do that, you are my daughters indeed. Now that's the king made that statement to you ladies. When's the last time you called him your Lord? No, I won't, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I was fixing to get in trouble. You know? I'm stop, stopping preaching to the meddle in here. <laughs> but I'm just telling you what the Word says. You know, it, you know what it did make me feel real good? When Cheryl come in and said, Here, my Lord, here are your boots and your socks. I thought, Oh, Lord, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, me. With all of my heart, I will praise you, in verse 12. And I will give glory to your name forever. How long are we supposed to give glory to the name of our King? Forever. If you want Him to answer prayer and to do things for you. And just like I said a while ago, Dave Rosenfeld has found out when people are not having their financial needs met, he said, are you going to church? Are you tithing? And what is your quiet time like with God? How much time do you spend with the Lord? Do you go to church? Well, when I have time. Do you tithe? Well, I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, if God can't trust you with a little bit, He ain't never going to trust you with a lot. That's just the way it is. God is God and He's in control. If you're not worshiping Him and praising Him, I can assure you there's going to be trauma in your life. How many men, how many men in my life have I seen that their families are devastated, their children are sick, or maybe even have died early? And I go to the man and I say, what is your relationship with God? Well, Thurman, I'm a Christian. I said, well, before you go to church? Well, I go to church down here at certain, certain church on certain, certain street. I said, well, what's the pastor's name? Well, I can't remember. I said, well, you don't go very often, do you? Well, I go when I have time. How often is that? Well, Christmas and Easter. What else does God expect? That's not worshiping Him and putting Him first, is it? Not hardly. So you want to know why you're having all the problems you're having in your family? You want to know why you're sick or your wife is sick or your children are sick? You want to know why? 
Hey, it's because you're not putting God first. You're not worshiping and praising the king. See, you've got to do that. Now, Terry Lugenheim, the lady that had such a devastating thing in her life when Terry came here a few years ago the first time, when she had had three miscarriages and killed three little children through miscarriage, had three others, and all of them were sick, and one of them had had major surgery on one leg, and the other leg was beyond surgery, and he's going to be an invalid in a wheelchair shortly. And when she came here and I talked to her, I told her, and when I spent a little bit of time with her, I said, Terry, I'm going to tell you why all your babies are sick. She said, why? I said, you're the problem. Well, she didn't like that. I said, you're going to have to straighten your act up, girl. I said, you're not submitting to your husband. You're trying to run the show, and that's opening the door to the demonic world. And I said, that's why your babies are all sick, and that's why that one has had surgery on that one leg, and it didn't work, and the other leg is beyond surgery. And I said, he's going to be an invalid, but he don't have to be. I said, if you will worship God and praise Him, and you'll come in line with the Word of God, and you'll go in and tell your husband, you're sorry that you've stopped running the show, and you'll submit to Him and obey Him, and whatever He tells you to do, you'll do it. On the way home, she told me, first of all, she said, Thurman, I think you're crazy. I said, if I'm crazy, then God's Word's crazy. She said, I never heard no teaching like this in my life. I said, you go home and ask God. On the way home, she started praying. And as she prayed, the Lord asked her, says, Terry, did I not tell you to submit to me? She said, well, yes, Lord. He said, do you know what submit means? She said, well, Lord, it means obey. And she said, I don't have a problem obeying you. He said, okay. But did I also tell you to submit to your husband? Well, she said, yes, you did. He said, well, does that not mean obey also? She said, Lord, I will never obey my husband. It will be over his dead body before I obey him. And the Lord says, no, it won't be over his dead body. It will be over the dead body of all your children. That got her attention. She repented, walked into the house, and told her husband, Frank, said, Frank, and he was already in bed that night. He said, she said, we have to talk. And Frank was knew that she was fixing to say, I'm ready for a divorce. And he was certainly ready for it. When she said, I ask you to forgive me. I repent and I will submit to you and I will stop trying to run the show and I'll do anything you tell me to do. And that brought that family back together. Frank became the spiritual leader of their home and all of their children are well. And the one that was nearly an invalid is now completely well and playing football. They're going to give that testimony on James Robinson. It's going to be taped the 10th of July of this month, of this next month. I mean, the average person in church has no idea that the Word of God means what it says. She didn't. I mean, uh, Robert Morris wrote a book, I understand, 
Oh, his wife, that's right, sorry. Robert Morris's wife wrote a book and she put a chapter in her book about Terry's testimony. And it's so powerful that when James Robertson read the book, he called her and wants to do a taping of her, hers and Frank's testimony. So they're going to record that the 10th. I don't have any idea when it will air. But when you become obedient to technically, ladies, God requires the woman to submit to her husband, which really means is to worship him. But you don't put him before God. You put God first, and then, you know what kind of a life a woman could have if she would submit and honor her husband and do what God says? You know how, you know how wonderful it would make her life? You know what kind of man it would bring into her life? Her man. In fact, that story, I don't know if you've ever read the book about, there's a book, How to Be the Wife of a Happy Husband. I was in the bookstore one day and I saw that and I picked it up. And I, when I got to the checkout desk and the lady's checking my books out, she says, Sir, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, Why would a man want to read a book that says How to Be the Wife of a Happy Husband? I said, because I'm a husband. And I'm going to find out if this woman knows what she's talking about. I know what it takes to make me happy. So when I read the book, I'll know whether this woman knows or whether she's crazy because I'm a man. I read the book. And let me tell you, the woman had learned a tremendous lesson. And guess where she got all of her information? From God's Word. She learned how her, her marriage was on the rocks. Her and her husband were right there for a divorce. And when she went to God, praise God for a living God. She went to God and she's praying. She's going to the throne of grace. And she said, God, this man you gave me, you've got to change him. I can't live with this guy. Lord, change him. And the Lord spoke to her and said, he's not the problem. You are. Lord, I'm the problem? He says, yes. You go to my word and find out you are not doing what I told you to do in my word. When you do what you're supposed to do, your husband will change. And so she went to the word and began to research everything she could find about how a woman's supposed to be a wife and how she's supposed to treat her husband. And as she sought the word of God out... And she began to do what the Word of God told her to do. Her husband became one of the most wonderful husbands today. They're such a great team going across the country doing great things together. But the problem wasn't him. The problem was her. Isn't that amazing? God changed this man. Well, it's not always the man. Sometimes it's the woman. But... Whenever we, both men and women, learn to worship and praise the king. Now then, do you like it when somebody praises you for something you've done right? Sure, everybody does. They like it. But God, he definitely likes it. He tells us to worship and praise him. 
I mean in everything. When you're working. When you're mopping the floor. Lord, thank you that I got this mop to mop this floor with. Not, oh God, I hate to have to mop this thinking floor every day. He don't like that. If you want him to do something wonderful for you, tell him how grateful you are that you have this mop in this bucket to mop with. That, Lord, I got two legs I can stand on that works. I got two arms I can grab this mop and I can work with. I am grateful. Or when you go, Lord, I got to cook dinner for my husband. Lord, thank you for the privilege to cook. Thank you for the money to buy the groceries that he's provided. You know, start praising God for the things because he's the one that gives us everything we've got. Praise him and worship him. Don't look for the bad things. I told Cheryl last night, I don't think she had ever heard this statement. I'm not sure she understood it. I said, effective immediately with the moving into this new house, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Anybody know what that means? <laughs> I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Did you know that God said it's possible for you and me to not let anything in the course of the day bother us no more? I haven't mastered that by a long shot. But I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to master that in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know how many trials and tests I'm going to go through to get there, but I'm going to make it. Now, is it possible for every one of us to master that? Yes. We have a choice. Every time the obstacles in life come up before us, how are we going to respond? Well, like I told her, I'm turning over a new leaf. I hope I don't have to turn over very many. (laughs) I'm going to try my best to not let nothing bother me. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to worship the king. And I know if I worship the king. In Psalms 95.5. In Psalms 95.5. I want you to listen to this. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Now, this is the King James. Psalms 95.5. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. What, honey? Oh, that's verse 6? Okay. Well, I, okay, I, I wrote it down to Psalm 95.5. Okay, so 95.6. O come, let us worship and bow down. When's the last time you bowed down before the king? When's the last time you knelt on your floor or got down on your face and worshipped? Most people don't. But the word tells us what to do. When you can humble yourself and come and bow down on your knees... And worship the king. I thought the other day when Dave was praying up here, he, he knelt down right here. He bowed down before God. And he was praying. I thought, you know, that man 
He is a humble man because that man has now learned for the first time in his life how real God really is. When you've had an incurable disease for 40 plus years of your life, and you went through what he went through the last year and a half to overcome that, to take the Word of God and stand on it with no doubt in your heart, and today be completely, totally well. And this problem that they told him that was in his DNA, you can't have any children. Because if you do, they'll have the same problem you got. Because what, they, what they'll have will come from your DNA. This has been all the way down through your family. And as this is in your DNA. If you have any children, your children are going to be born with this same incurable disease. I said, Dave, it's a demon. It's not DNA. It's a demon. And we're going to cast this demon of hell out of you. We're going to break this curse over you. And it's going to go away. And the babies you're going to have are going to be totally, completely, perfectly healthy. And now they've got one year old, perfectly healthy baby and another one in the hangar. I get back to my airplane talk. Got one in the hangar. They're going to open the door pretty soon and it's going to fly out. They're going to have a second one. And then they ain't going to have no problems either. Now see, that's what you can do by faith, right? That's what you can do by faith. But that's come from bowing down and worshiping the king. Worshiping the king. We ought to teach our children and our grandchildren to bow down and worship the king. And how should we teach them? They should see us by example. Granddaddy or daddy should have no problem of humbling himself before God and bowing down or kneeling down and raising his hands and praising the king in the home. None whatsoever. Every time something comes up that we need, and if we would just bow down and worship regularly, you wouldn't have many things come up. Because they'd already be taken care of. The king will take care of you. He says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Then Psalms 99, 9. I think I got this right. hope I didn't make any more mistakes. Psalms 99, 9 says, Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord, our God, is holy. Worship Him. Then Psalms 100, verse 1. Psalms 100, verse 1. A psalm of praise... Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. See, there I am. that you and me, Keith? I don't know. I don't listen to you sing, so I don't know how good you sing either. But we can make a joyful noise, can't we? Yes, we can. We make a joyful noise. Does God love it when we're singing? When we're driving down the road by ourselves? When we're praising Him? We're just making a joyful noise, telling Him how much we love Him and praise Him and thank Him. He loves that. He loves for us to worship Him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All you then serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. With gladness. All ago when everybody was coming in, Ty and I and Eldon was standing up there talking and laughing. People said, my goodness, y'all are just laughing. You're so happy. I've never seen such two or three such happy men. Well, we've learned something. The Lord loves for us to meet and pray and to talk and sing and praise and be glad and happy. Because that's part of the abundant life. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving 
and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Now think about what He said. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. I wonder what God would do if every one of us next Sunday, when we walk through that door, raised your hand and said, Lord, I'm coming into your courts, your gates with thanksgiving and praise. I'm expecting you to do something great and mighty and magnificent today. I worship you as you walk down that hallway, praising the Lord with your hands raised. Now see, here nobody would think you were crazy. You know, there is some churches if you walked in like that, they'd come down and say, let me calm you down a little. Michael, calm down a little there, son. You're going to be okay. No, I ain't going to be okay. I'm already okay because I'm worshiping and praising the Lord. Because I'm doing what He said. Did you know there was a little guy out there at Skyship where I used to work? And he came up to me and he needed an answer to prayer. And I prayed the prayer of faith for him, him and his wife. They had been married ten years. And they had tried everything known to man. And his little wife wanted babies. She wanted a child. And they couldn't have one. They'd been everywhere. They'd done everything. They could not get pregnant. Ten years they'd tried. He came to my office one day and said, Thurman, would you pray for me and my wife? We need to have babies. I said, well, is your wife in agreement? She wants babies? Oh, yeah. He said, in fact, the reason I'm in here is that yesterday we went over to visit some friends and I had a couple of children on the way home. She got up and put her arm around me and said, honey, please, I want to have babies. He said, honey, I'm doing everything I know to do. I don't know nothing else to do. I'm taking you to the doctor. We've done everything. We've checked everything. And we, I don't know what to do. He said, I know what to do. I think I'll go see Thurman. So he walked into my office and said, what can we do so my wife and I can get pregnant? I said, you and your wife both love Jesus? He said, yes. I said, so you're, what kind of church you go to? He said, we're Catholic. I said, that's okay, but do you go regular? Oh, yeah, every Sunday. I said, and you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, we love Jesus with all our heart. I said, no problem. I turned to Mark eleven twenty three. I quoted a verse. I said, now, Lord, I ask you to give him a baby. He said, no, 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 Thurman, we don't want a baby. I said, I thought that's what you wanted. He said, no, we want babies. <laughs> we want more than one. I said, well, okay, Lord, you know their heart, so give them the desires of their heart and give them babies. I said, now all you need to do is go and worship and praise the king and begin to tell your wife to say, we're pregnant. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're pregnant. Well, three months later, he come running back in my office and he says, praise God, my wife's pregnant. Well, he goes to church and he come in the next Sunday or two, what it was, and he said, I've got to know where do you find in the Bible that it's okay to raise your hands and praise the Lord? I said, well, there's a whole bunch of places in here. Well, I knew you'd know where it was. But he said, my Catholic church, after my wife and I found out we were pregnant, we're down there Sunday morning and we're singing some songs. And we got both hands up praising the Lord. And he said, our priest comes over and told us you need to stop that. So he said, I need to know, is it written in the book? And so I pulled up my computer. I printed out about a whole page of scriptures that talk about raising your hands and all this kind of stuff. 
And I printed it. I said, what are you going to do with this? He said, I'm going to take it after I make a copy and I'm going to give it to my priest next week and I'm going to say, that's why I do it because God told me to do it. I said, oh, wow. Now see, if we would all do what God said... Now then, if you've been trying to have a baby for ten years and you come in and the Word of God gets you pregnant in three months, it's easy for both of you to be standing there praising the Lord. So they did. They praised and worshipped the Lord and thanked Him. And a total of nine months, she, in fact, five months later, he came running in my office and said, Thurman, we had a sonogram done today. Guess what? I said, twins. He said, triplets. And so she had triplet boys that were beautiful, healthy. Both mothers from India, both of them, grandmothers, came over and stayed the first year with them. I mean, they had, and of course, at the, at the end of the first year, I was invited to come to a big Catholic church, which is not too far from here. And there was probably 175 people at that birthday party that day. And little t- brother Thomas, he said, you get up there and tell all my friends how my wife and I got these babies and where they came from. <laughs> and so I got up there and told them the whole story. And after I come down off of the platform for the next two hours, guess what I did for people in that Catholic church? <laughs> prayed for people. I didn't have to ask because they wanted to be prayed for. They just came up. And they wanted me to pray for them. Now then, how was I able to get God to answer my prayer like that for them? Because I had already been giving Him my worship and praise. I'd already been thanking Him. I was reading the Word. I was worshiping Him. When I walk into the workplace in the morning, first thing I do, somebody say, Good morning. I say, Hi, praise the Lord. How are you all this morning? Glory to God. You know, did the Lord tell you to worship Him? Praise Him? Everywhere you are. Not just at church, but wherever you are, worship and praise the Lord. Lord, don't be ashamed of it. Somebody sent me an email of a little girl with a valedictorian. And, of course, these are emails. I don't know where they come from. And some of you may have read it. If one of y'all sent it to me, I don't know. But it says this little girl was a valedictorian of some school and it told which one and told how high a grade she'd made, which was way up four points something. I forget, but it was really good. And she made her speech and it had to be approved by the board and before she could give a speech. What a state of affairs we're in when you take the valedictorian of a class and you got to have her speech approved by the staff before she can... What a place we live, you know. And then after they took some things out of it, it had to be approved by the ACLU, and they took some more things out of it, and every reference she gave to her king, Jesus, was removed. And so when she came today... To give the test, give the deal, it says, the speech, she decided to not listen to what they said and do what God says. And she got to the point, it says in the email, of the, when she got down to the line, they had it and they were listening and they were paying attention. And when she, they saw she was sticking to the old one exactly when it came to the line she was going to talk about Jesus, they cut off her microphone. It's a good thing that I wasn't there. They said there was a whole lot of people that jeered and really fussed at the staff for doing what they did. But you know, until we as Christians get up and begin to worship 
You know what had happened in that place when that little girl could have jumped up and said, I may not have a microphone, but I'm going to tell you as loud as I can that Jesus Christ is the reason that I was a valedictorian, and I'm giving Him all the praise and the glory. And anybody in this place that believes in Jesus, stand up and worship the King with me. If about 90% of the people in that place had jumped up and thrown up their hands and started worshiping and praising God, the power of God would have fell in that place and all the unbelievers would have got saved. Do you know that? I mean, who do we serve? Do we serve some God that's powerless or do we serve the King of the universe? We serve the King of the universe. But you know, it's like we don't know who we serve. Whenever the devil tries to put us down, what do we do? We just kind of back off and withdraw. I used to be one of them kind of Christians. But no more. I didn't see many prayers answered back in those days either, Ernest. But I don't want to go back there, do you? No. I love it whenever God answers our prayers. I love it when we stand on His Word. But He says... You must put me first and you must worship me. That doesn't mean if you feel like it. It doesn't mean if you're by yourself. It doesn't mean that if you're hid out where you won't offend somebody. It means putting God first. Everywhere you go. I mean, you don't be ashamed of the king. You go into a restaurant to eat, pray over it. And don't pray silently and don't pray in the car before you go in. It wouldn't hurt to pray in the car before you go in, but when you go in, pray over it. Pray over loud enough for two or three tables around you to hear what you're doing. And one night we went into a restaurant. It's been several years ago, a bunch of people at church, and the pastor asked me to pray over the meal. So I stood up and prayed. There was about 15 or 20 of us, so I prayed loud. I think everybody in the place heard it. Did you know I had a couple of people come over and tell me, hey, that was a nice prayer. You know? You need to pray over everything. You need to not be ashamed of your king. The Lord says, if you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And if you won't give me the honor and praise and glory, we've missed this, folks, when... We don't honor and praise and glorify Him. He don't show up for you. Now, everybody, whenever sickness and disease, especially when your eye starts bothering you, you need help, right, Keith? You need to be attached to the King. You need to stand on His Word. If you don't know who the King is, I think about the people in life that don't know how to stand on the Word of God. That don't know how to go to the King. Although you may be a Christian... But for years and years and years, you've had some kind of problems. I know we deal with them every day. Every day. I mean, we have emergencies every day at the ministry center. You know, the way I've, I mean, used to when somebody said they got an emergency, bam, I'm right there to do what I can. But I'm kind of like, I learned this in Vietnam. In Vietnam, of course, over here, you've got 25 airplanes in the pattern coming in. And all of a sudden, number 10 out there got an emergency. Something blows up. Mayday. I got a problem. They clear everything, and he's number one. The flying in, I'm sure Keith saw this. If he's, he may or may not have, but 
if you're in military action, especially with the fighter pilots. They're coming in Mayday, you know, got this or that or whatever. I remember one day a guy was coming in and he was a fairly new pilot. And he was some kind of excited. Every enunciator light was lit up. He had every, he'd been hit and he had every kind of problem. He didn't know what all kinds of problems he, he made a, made a, made a. I gotta get in. I got all these problems. And the controller, he said, uh, Phantom, you're number seven in the emergency pattern. He said, line up and fall in if you can make it. If you can't, head it out to the bay, punch out when you get over the ocean. I'll send a chopper out to pick you up. Just as calm as he could be. Now, it depends on where you live. If this is the first emergency you've ever had, then you're probably just as excited as he is. But if you've got them all day, every day, and that's all you're dealing with, emergencies become a normal way of life anymore. That's kind of the way we are with the kingdom of God now. We have so many emergencies. People have them. All the time. Now then, why is it so many Christians have so many emergencies? Why? I can tell you. They're not worshiping and praising God. If you're worshiping and praising God, you will not have near as many emergencies. Do you know that? The Lord will take care of your emergencies before they happen. Do you not think the king is in control? Sure he's in control. If we're worshiping and praising him and putting him first and doing everything the king says, then he will protect us from the devourer. He says. I can't think of nobody I'd rather have on my side than the king. How are you going to get the king on your side? Worship him and praise him. If you don't spend that time worshiping and praising God... He's not going to be on your side. He will, he, the demons of hell will be able to attack you. Just like Dave has said when he asked people, this, I've got this devastating sickness and I can't get rid of it. He said, what's your quiet time like with God? How much time do you spend with the king every day reading and studying his word? Well, I, I don't. I don't have time to do that. He said, you ain't got time to get healed. You get in the word. You worship and praise the king. Because guess what Dave learned? Guess who the healer is? The King, Jesus Christ. That's right. I can't heal you. I can lay my hands on you and touch you, and then I'm at the mercy of God. But God knows what's going on in your life. Then he says, oh, how many times in the Word does he say, repent of your sins and hear my Word, and I will heal you? He said that over and over, didn't it? Worship me, repent of your sins, and believe my word, and I'll heal you. Well, Lord, I want you to do it right now. He said, but I'm going to heal you, but I may not want to do it right now. I may have some little something I want to teach you. And some people totally disagree with this. But God says in his word, Hebrews 10.35, you have need of patience. Don't throw away your confidence in the word. It's written. Now, Keith, you'd have loved to have that thing happen when you prayed the minister sent it. We'd have prayed and that'd been, boy, that'd have been great, wouldn't it? Well, that's what we wanted. And that's what we wanted too. But it didn't happen that quick. It didn't happen. But when you wake up the next morning, it's still there. It may make you say, Lord, have I got an unknown sin here that I've not 
Have I got something that I don't know what I'm doing? And then you start checking. And then you say, Lord, I repent for everything. Lord, I will be a good boy. Oh, he said, now I got your attention. Now I got your attention. He said, Lord, I will be a good boy. I'll do what you say. I'm turning over that new leaf, Lord. I want to be a clean slate on the other side. I will walk in love. I will do what you say. And he says, oh, now that I've got your attention. Isn't that amazing? Worship him. Then look what he says here. After he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now that is a direct command from the king. Why do so few of us do that? Did he tell us to do this? This is not something I'm telling you to do. This is something the king is telling us to do. I mean, did he say that, Ernest? Right there in your book, too. So that's why I tell you to follow along with me in your book. Because I didn't write the book. He holds me accountable, too. So I want him to know. In fact, you know, we don't have time to do this today since it's already, wow, already four o'clock. But I thought, you know, I wonder what would happen if maybe next Sunday, if nobody comes in worshiping and praising, that when we get ready to start the service next Sunday, I said, okay, I didn't see anybody coming in raising and screaming and praising God. So back out the door, everybody out the door. And when you get the last one, gets out. I want everyone of you to come in and find your seat. When you walk in, I want you to hands raised saying, Lord, we praise you. We're coming into your house with thanksgiving and praise. Woo, the king might say, those children of mine, they really bleed. And there ain't no telling what he might show up and do. You know that? If we're obedient to do what the king says, there's no telling what he might show up and do for us. What would happen if we come in worshiping and praising and sit down and put our hands down and all of a sudden he says, Oh, now then I'm going to let you all see something. And all of a sudden about 10 or 15 big, beautiful beings of grandeur with big wings were to raise up and wants to walk out through us. And as they walked out, all of a sudden the king himself for just about five seconds would just say, Okay, folks, look at me. Here I am. Woo! Glory. Wouldn't that be awesome? I bet if the Lord would do something like that, I wouldn't have to tell you all next Sunday to walk in that door. <laughs> With your hands raised, facing the king. Well, isn't it amazing? The king tells us to worship him. To praise him. When we come to church, what are we doing? We're coming to worship and praise the king. You don't come to hear me talk. You come to worship and praise the king. I just happen to be one of his sons that he put up here and give me this knowledge and wisdom to teach you from his word and to pray the prayer of faith. And if I will spend my time worshiping and praising him, when I pray for you, he will do whatever you ask him to do. And I love to see him do these things. But you have to worship and praise. Then he says in Psalms 138.2, Psalms 138.2, I will worship toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your names. 
In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Now then, if you worship Him and praise Him on a regular basis, when you cry out to Him, He answers, doesn't He, Keith? Did it make you feel good when you cried out, Lord, I'm yours, and you ask Him to heal that eye, and it woke up in a little while and that eye is healed? I'm sure you praised Him and thanked Him for that. Oh, yes, He says, you bet. Well, we need to be worshiping and praising. And we don't realize how much we need God until something like that happens, right? I guarantee you. That's just like here a while back, you know, when I had that attack on my leg. You know, I mean, you know, when your leg looks like mine looked. It, it, I mean, boy, I knew I needed help. And I'm worshiping and praising the Lord. And, of course, this morning when I woke up, I looked at my leg. And both of them are beautiful and perfect. Amen. You know, I just I could look down and I could pull that bitch's leg up with no sock or anything. I looked down and I rubbed that thing up and down and I said, And Lord, I'm so thankful for that good, healthy, beautiful leg. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many of y'all worshipped him and praised him for your leg this morning? Probably nobody but me. The reason you didn't, because you didn't have the problem I had a few months ago. I mean, whenever that devil attacked me and that leg was blood red, I mean, it looked awful, you know. And, of course, Ty, you know, he come over and looked at it. I told him, pray for me. No, I'm coming look at it. And, of course, coming looking as a doctor, you know, he said, if you wasn't a man of faith, we'd be at the doctor hospital right now and you'd have to have surgery because you've got a blood clot in your leg. But he said, I know you ain't going, are you? I said, no, I ain't going. We're going to get this done in prayer. And of course, Eldon, I called him. He's another one of my strong prayer warriors. And he came out too. I mean, these guys came out. They anointed me with all. I mean, uh, got in my office there and I said, sit down there and pull your shoe off and your sock off. Let's see your leg. Doesn't that sound just like a doctor? <laughs> Eldon walked in. He gets out his oil. Eldon says, we're going to pray. I said, praise God. That's why I called you men of faith. And so we prayed and prayed and worshiped the Lord. And it, again, Keith, it didn't go away easy. I mean, it took a few days. You know, I mean, you can tell a, 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 you can tell a man's been trained too much by the medical world. Because instead of believing it was done, I said, get over there and get in that bed, put your foot on the pillow and lay there and relax for a couple of days and let the blood flow in that leg. So see, <laughs> when you've been trained by the medical profession, you know how the body works, don't you, Ty? He knows what it works. But he also is a man of faith and he knows what God can do. He said, you just need some rest. And he's completely convinced that the re- and one of the reasons I have this attack, he said, you're not taking a Sabbath. You're working 24-7. He said, even God rested. So if God rested, you need to rest. Mm. Okay, God, I guess I'm a little better than you are. I don't need no rest. I can handle it 24-7. I don't think so. If God rested, now then, He rested because He told us. He left us an example. So we're trying to take one day a week, sometime, you know, and take some time to rest. You know, you have to take a little time to rest because God told us to rest. So, obviously, this morning I've been doing some things right, but whenever... I took the shower last night, looked down, and my legs were perfect and beautiful. 
No red clots, no blood clots, no nothing. When I woke up this morning and went in and looked, I could praise the king for those two beautiful legs. Somebody said, what are you praising God for your legs for? Well, I'll tell you, when one of them looked like mine did for a while, you will praise God when it looks good. You know where I'm coming from, right? So you know what? I've come to realize if we say, Lord, I thank you that I have two beautiful hands to work with. Lord, thank you that my arm works. Thank you, Lord, that I got a head that you put on me. Everybody may not think it's beautiful, but I like it because you made it. You don't make no junk. I want to thank you that I got a beautiful body that works. I want to thank you that all the organs inside this thing work. Go in and sit down on the potty and say, Lord, I want to thank you that everything in here works like it's supposed to, too. I mean, serious. I'm praising for everything. I mean, praise God. You know, when you look down in your legs and everything and your feet and you got toes and you got eyes and ears, praise Him for all that because everything you have, He gives you. See, we fail to realize that we could be lost. We could lose some of these great and wonderful things we have in a heartbeat. You know that? But if we would praise Him and worship Him, thank Him, only He knows your heart. Wake up in the morning worshiping the Lord. Don't wake up in the morning thinking, what have I got to do today? Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you. That whatever I have to do, me and you are going to do it together and I know it's going to be great. Praise Him. I want to thank you, Lord, like Keith did. I want to thank you that this body don't belong to me. It belongs to you. Now then, I refuse to allow the enemy to affect this body. Because this body don't belong to the devil no more. It belongs to the king. Worship him and praise him. And then thank him that I'm well. Every morning, you need to learn to do that. During the course of the day, you need to learn to do that. Driving down the road, you need to learn to do that. I mean... How much of the day are we supposed to worship and praise the King? All the time. And how many other gods are we to put before Him? None. Where you are, what you're doing when you're working, whatever you're doing, praise Him. Worship Him. Don't hesitate. That's just like that time over there at Sky Chef. Whenever, I mean, you know, when I learned these things, I just loved it. And I sent this little... The guy sent me one day, he said, I need the number of trucks that you have over there. So I sent him a file with all the trucks and listed and what kind and size and all that stuff. And I sent this little thing called, It's Beautiful. And it's a six, it's about a minute and a half or two minutes of the creation of God starting with day one. When he made the different things right down. Just goes right through them and then comes down to the day of rest. God is awesome. Isn't he beautiful? I thought it beautiful. So I thought, well, I'll attach it to the little email. Send it to this guy. I don't know who this guy is. But it sure was beautiful. Somebody sent it to me. Well, a few weeks later, I get a call from the head HR man at SkyShift. He says, I mean, you're going to be in your office this afternoon about four? I said, yes. He said, I need to come by and talk with you. I thought, the head HR man don't come by and talk to you unless there's a problem. So he came over and he says, uh, do you remember sending a file to a Mr. Day? I said, oh yeah, he wanted a list of trucks. I sent it to him. 
He said, do you remember a little file you attached to that email? I said, no. So he pulled out of his briefcase a picture of the screen and says, remember that? I said, oh yeah, wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> he said, Mr. Day didn't think it was so beautiful. And he said, everybody in corporate has got to see it. I said, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, from the CEO down. All of them got to see it. Because he complained, not only did he get to read it, but everybody got to read it. I said, praise God. He said, Thurman, they sent me over and told me that this is company computers, company business, that you can't attach those kind of little religious things to them anymore. I said, this is maybe company computers, but I said, it's my freedom. If I want to bless somebody with something from God, I'm going to bless them. He said, Thurman, you know we can fire you? I said, have a heyday. He said, you're not easy to get along. I said, when it comes to God, I'm going to obey God rather than man. Amen. I said, you want to fire me? Fire me. He said, Thurman, you're not even threatened, are you? I said, no. I said, go ahead and fire me. He said, Thurman, I can't fire you. I said, why? He said, they told me to come over here and try my best to get you to stop this. Even threaten firing you, but don't you dare fire him. I said, oh, why did they not fire me? He said, because the boss said you're the best engineer we got. Don't fire him. Oh, I thought, isn't that something? I said, go back and tell him I'm the best engineer they got because I serve Jesus. I get all my information from Jesus, and that's why I do what I do. And I'm not good because of me, but I'm good because of my king, Jesus. See, if you'll do what God said and you put him first, ain't no human being can fire you till God's ready to move you on somewhere else. But you don't take no glory. You give it all to Him, the King. If you'll serve Him, I mean, He'll do it. I'm telling you, God is so wonderful when you do that. But, hey, guess how many people? I sent one little tiny beautiful six days of creation to one man, and guess how many got to see it? Everybody in corporate headquarters. Isn't God awesome? I mean, when this comes up, well, what did He send you that's so offensive? Well, let me show you. So now everybody had to see it. I loved it. Amen. God's there just laughing. He's getting the glory. I'm showing all of my children how I made the world and everything right there in six days. And every one of them are getting to see it. All because my little son, Thurman, sent it to him. I got to show it to everybody. Amen. Hey, you got to realize, just like Peter and John and James and all them, when they healed the man at the gate, beautiful, the church... Not the CEOs. The church says, you must never use this name again. What did the boys tell them? We're going to obey God rather than man. Now then, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man that was a cripple is well. You can only imagine the type of people that would tell you to stop doing things. When nothing you're doing is nothing but good. Who is that? It's the devil. So don't get an offense against those people. Only get an offense against the devil. He's the culprit. He's the one that killed Jesus. Did Jesus do anything but good for people? No. Only done good. And the demons in them people killed him. So he says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So get used to it. You know, when the devil comes, do just exactly what Keith did. 
Say, devil, this body don't belong to you no more. This body belongs to my king. My king Jesus healed me and gave me power over you 2,000 years ago. Now I rebuke you and drive you away and I will not take no for an answer. I demand in the name of my king that you get out of my life. You leave my eye alone in the name of Jesus. And the devil goes away. But you'll have to take away from that devil by force what it is written. Because he don't play games. He don't play games. He's a beast. And he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But when you learn what's going on on this earth and who this devil is, you'll drive that beast away. And you can turn over that new leaf and it'll be clean and pure on the other side. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. I want to thank you for the Word of God that shows us what we are supposed to do. And Lord, that if we will put you first and you are a jealous God and we'll worship you and praise you and put you first and put no other gods before you, we'll do exactly what you say. That's when you say, come and ask me for anything and I will do it for you. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand up and we're going to just worship Him for a minute. We're going to worship and praise the King. If you're not ashamed of the King, just raise your hands and worship Him. Tell Him how much you love Him. You come here to serve Him. He's the King of kings. And you need your relationship with Him, between you and Him, and you and your heart. You need to tell Him how sorry you are for the sins you've committed this week. And that you'll not do them next week. That you'll walk holy and you'll purify yourself. And how much you love Him for what He's done for you. Lord, we worship You. We praise You. We thank You. We're so grateful that You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord... When I think about my life and the many times I've missed it and how every time I've come to you and confessed my sin, how you're so gracious to forgive me and restore me to fellowship and how you've blessed me so abundantly with this good, healthy body that you've given me that I can go do the things I want to do, that I can run and play and talk and hear and see. Lord, I praise you for this. I praise you for everything. And thank you, Lord, that you're my Savior, my healer, my deliverer, my provider. I worship you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that when we pray for people that are not there in faith, how you hear our prayers and heal them anyway, Lord. To let them know that you're here. That you're the mighty King, the Lord of lords and God of gods. We love you, Lord. We worship you and we praise you. And Lord... As we go from this place today, Lord, keep in people's hearts that it's you we're worshiping and praising. As people walk out, as they get in their car, let them stay in a state of worship and praise. Thank you, Father. We worship you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being our Lord and our God. Praise the King.